0: Oh, so essentially, like, Amber Datastore is like a crude, not necessarily crude, a simple database, and then you can just like filter based on you or. To another episode of Two Black Nerds. It's been a minute. I've missed you guys, and also hi I've missed you. It's been a while since we talked.
1: Oh, thanks. Missed you too. <laughs> but no, y'all. Sorry that we've been kind of MIA. It's been hectic between real life obligations. Romeo's not even in Grand Rapids anymore. Yeah. So Switched it's been it it's been hectic. You know, things have been. Real life is no joke. Forty yeah. hours a week on the grind. And then you got other obligations and responsibilities. So sorry, guys. We've been uh. Kind of slack, so I hope you missed this as well.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's been, it's been a good—I don't even know when the last episode was. A good two weeks, I guess, two or three weeks. Two weeks. It feels that wouldn't have
1: reached three weeks.
0: Yeah, so it's been a good two weeks. Um, moved to a new apartment, so trying to make it look like someone lives here. Uh, Those so, walls are pretty bare. Yeah, the walls are pretty bare. Yeah. I'm in I'm in my office right now, and I actually can say that now—it's pretty cool. But yeah, the walls are pretty bare. But I have I have plans for this. I'll I'll show the pics when the when the studio slash office slash art thing is done. But I'm really glad to be back in uh, in Dayton, Ohio, and uh, it's really gonna be good to see the people uh, the people of Dayton and my family that's around here. So that's also an added bonus. Yeah. Yep. But yeah. Uh hi. Any any news you want to acclimate to the fans?
1: Um, any news I want to tell the fans. Not really. Just has been in the grind, same old, same old, different day. Oh, actually, for any of our listeners that are based in Texas, uh October 21st, is it? I'll be talking at Front Porch. It's a front end developers conference, conference, and I'll be talking about Ember JS and Ember CLI. Kind of like a fanboy with it. So, yeah. yeah. I'll probably be like uh, hyping that up closer to that actual date, but you should come. And also, wrote a recent blog post on building coding confidence. Check it out. All right, advertisements over. Let's get <laughs> popping.
0: Yeah. So, and for those who well, didn't catch that, we're going to put links in the show notes uh, so you don't have to yes, scribble things down. But on the topic du jour, Neha, uh, I'm going to let you introduce the topic since it came about on one of our Twitter conversations.
1: Ah right, so for the topic du jour we're gonna be talking about projects as problem solving and I'll let Romeo explain in more detail what that means.
0: Yeah, so I think um one of the things that uh people were asking how is like, wait, how do you come up with so many good um good uh, side side projects? And he just answered like, Well, it's just because I, I try to I my side projects are a way for me to solve my my problems, so in reality, like you don 't really need like the next idea; you just really need to just like be very observant and observe you know the environment around you and what can you do, how can you alleviate your own problems using technology and we 're just gonna talk about how I has done it, how I thought about doing it, and how I may or may not have acted upon it. And uh, essentially, how we keep track of that. So, I guess, uh, I'll let you go first since you have a little bit of experience with this. All right, so, uh,
1: which project should I talk about first? I got a fair amount. I would say, um, like,
0: start with, um, I think the one that would be most, start with, hmm, let's do, fa- uh, Page on Liker would be the most relatable, and then you can go talk about the other ones. They're essentially still in the works Or have taken a hold
1: Word, word, alright, got it So, like Romeo said Like, um, whenever it comes to Figuring out What projects I should work on Or what I should build next I always use that as an opportunity to flex my software Like, muscles, because I'm always like Oh man, god, I wish it was an app That did this or allowed me to do This, but then it's just always like Five seconds later, I'm just like, oh wait I'm a computer science major and a developer. I can build that myself. Duh. So I end up doing it. It's like magic. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Patreon Liker. How did that come music.
0: about, actually?
1: Patreon Liker? Man, yeah. I was just looking at my Facebook pages, and I was just like, <laughs> damn, a lot of these are really, really embarrassing. You know, those things that you liked in high school, they don't think that yeah. people would ever dig up, but you do know that they exist. <laughs> How like, many did you so-
0: have at the time?
1: 700? Whoa, that's good. I was a bored behind teenager. Like, you're not even, like, no kidding. I was just always bored. And I'll I'll always see, oh, yeah, it looks interesting. Like, like, like. And as I got older, I stopped liking so many things, but I'd already done the damage whenever I was younger. So. And it was weird, though, because, like, Mm. Facebook's um, listing of the pages starts from, like, starts from. Most recent to oldest, and doesn't have a way to change the ordering of it, which is kind of weird in my eyes. So that's really why, cause like, because some of the most recent ones I wanted mm-hmm. to unlike, or not even the most recent ones, most of the ones I wanted to unlike were like the really embarrassing Super ones. Old ones. Yeah. yeah, the most recent ones, whenever I like a page now, it's mostly because I'm interested in like an artist, like a musician. Or a specific product or brand I want to keep up with, or maybe even like a blog or like podcast, Facebook page, mm-hmm. something like that. And so I was looking at Facebook's API. I was just like, "Oh, okay, cool. I think I'll be able to like to uh, create something that would make this easier." So Facebook's API I dissected Facebook's API, and yeah. I was I saw that I could. Get all of the likes for a user's page, and then I reverse, um, engin- well, not reverse engineered. I looked at their like button API, and okay. I saw what the inputs were, and it was like it was a URL of the page, and I think that was the only input. So I wanted to use that as a way to flex my Ember JS muscles and level up with yeah. that because I'd recently started sipping the Kool Aid, and. <laughs> I just started using that and I just built the application over a weekend and it blew up because it started from ordering things from the oldest first and you could just scroll down quickly and like click 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 click, click easy and
0: worked out. So wait, so I guess what I was going to ask is like so you, so when um you're looking at at the API all right, so you you mentioned that you were just looking at input-outputs. So which two APIs? So you said you mentioned... I think you mentioned two APIs. Did you just look at the whole Facebook API or just the like button HPI, uh, API?
1: I looked at the like button API, and then I looked at Facebook's graph APIs to see if there was a way to get all of my like pages, mm-hmm. which there was. It's uh, under okay. the endpoint, graph.facebook.com, yeah. uh, slash users, slash me, slash likes.
0: So then... I'm guessing right after that. I mean, order, pages, yeah. ordering the pages. That was like pretty much a simple list.
1: Well, yeah, because in Ember you have, so Ember has the concept of store. So Ember data allows you to easily like store everything in a data store of sorts, and in the controller you can set like you can set attributes and parameters to sort by, so if I wanted to sort by name, I could do that, or I could sort by date. One of the attributes returned from the API was the date created for that specific edge in the graph API, so that was the date that the page was liked on. Mm-hmm. So I just ordered by that.
0: Oh, so essentially, like, Amber sort is like a crude, not necessarily crude, a simple database, and then you can just, like, filter based on attribute, or, yeah. better yet, it's like a limited Excel spreadsheet where you can run sorts.
1: Eh, Ember data is sort of just the data store itself, but then the controller, that's where you can set the model that you're referring to. In this case, a model referred refer to a like page. And then in the controller, you also set the attribute to, um, to query, the attribute to sort by on that model. Okay. So, yeah.
0: Oh. That's cool. I'm going to need to it's look into life. the MVC...
1: Yeah, NBC has like the most – just that paradigm is really crucial for data modeling and I think building um, a lot of web applications. Mastering that really has made me break down things into very composable, digestible applications. Like even if I'm burnt out and don't feel like program pr- oh, yeah, programming mm-hmm. after work. I can still, since I know, like, how, like, since I'm comfortable with the MVC paradigm, I can just break down an application or a project idea that I have into, like, into models, into its models, its views, which controllers they'll have, and what logic will go into where, and what each, what each one will do. So yeah. I can always write that out, and if I come back to it and feel like programming it, it's I'll still, code it up. It's still
0: a productive thing since you've mapped out the architecture. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, wait, so at the time, like, which technology, uh, which... Technolo- which um coding coding languages did you consider before going to Amber or which ones M? did you know and then which ones did you know at the time and then why did you choose to flex uh, Amber's muscles per se
1: um, really actually I didn't know any MVC framework outside of AmberJS and JS, but Vue is such like uh, in proof of concept mode that it wasn't even a viable option um, I could kind have of used straight JavaScript with, and a jQuery library, but that would have been point, – not pointless, but that wouldn't have been beneficial. I feel like I wanted to learn something new. I think side projects are really a means of lear- – they allow you to step out of your comfort zone. You can do it yeah. one way. So you have to do it one of two ways, the way that you're really comfortable with or use it as an opportunity to learn something new and see if it can do the job better than how you have done it originally.
0: And to add to that is also, like, a minimal, minimal risk, right? It's just, like, if it works, it works. Worst-case scenario, you learn something new and you kind of, like...
1: Yeah. Like, it's not like I'm trying to be, like, okay, it's going to be a, like, Facebook unliker as a service. Like, no. Yeah. Like, I'm just um, coding up a, weekend, a project over the weekend. I got bored and I had downtime on my hands because I was just chilling at home. It's, it's, like, right after I graduated college, so...
0: Yeah, dude, it's nice.
1: Well, awesome. yeah, I mean, it was very—it was a very enlightening project. That's awesome. What about you? What about you? Any uh, projects you want to talk about that you use to solve a problem or that you have in the works?
0: Oh, um, so I guess I don't have any specific project. Well I, well, I have a project in the works, like with this new apartment. Uh, I looked at Philips Hue and so the Philips Hue lights specifically the light strips they're amazing right they're great uh essentially with Philips Hue you control uh, you control like an LED a multicolor LED strip from your smartphone and I don't know if you, if you remember uh, our buddy who lives in Chicago Trey's apartment he has those and he would just like he would randomly change things just based on his smartphone problem is they're like eighty dollars a pop, and if you just think about the cost of the components it's they're really not that expensive. You can get the LED strips at about fifteen to fifteen to twenty dollars and they already come with like a remote control which has like all the preset um all the preset colors on them so now the the main key that I, the main thing that I'm trying to figure out and like reverse engineer is like how do I program, how do I get those key values and how do I get those key values into something programmable so that instead of having it be like a hardware button key, how can I emulate that either using either an Arduino, or Raspberry Pi or another microcontroller unit to my phone obviously that's going to be a long term but that's the one that I'm currently thinking about and trying to architect it's gonna be a little bit of circuits involved, so that's gonna stretch my circuit building muscles that I haven't done in a while. And there's gonna be some cool like decoding of signals. I haven't played around with um, uh, digital signals readers. There's a really cool one that I'm trying to get. So that's the main one, but there are other ones that would be more like software related. So my car has been having issues lately. You're actually going to try and work on your car? Oh, well, I'm not going to try and work on my car. I'm going to hire someone else to do it, obviously. But did you know that all the Midas's in the country don't have a connected database? Oh, the what? Like the the shop Midas. Like trust the Midas touch, like the Midas Auto Shop. Really? Their databases are not connected. Like, seriously. That
1: is impractical.
0: <laughs> exactly so the database are not connected and like so for me so i have a bunch of like paper trail that relates to like the repairs that i did while i was in grand rapids but the problem is they don't transfer to a shop here even though i i made those repairs in a midas shop i'm like why can't you just have a database that connects everything so essentially everything stays on that local computer and, like, one of the things I was thinking about is, like, wow, well, it would be hard to... It wouldn't be hard. I guess you'd have to, like, figure out how the Midas system works and trying to create, sell them an architecture or how to interconnect their systems. So if anyone out there wants to do it, free info, Midas's computer systems are not connected. So if you can make that happen, that would be great. I'd mm-hmm. be forever thankful. But the other thing is... Um, I need to keep track of the repairs I made so like whenever I go to the shop I don't have to like try to remember in my head like what I did so if there would be a way either to just like keep like the track of like the routine repairs that I'm doing just like mark the date or if I could just like scan the paper that I get from Midas and do an OCR optical character recognition on that to kind of like get an overview that would be great yeah and that's that's one that I recently ran into and specifically like one of the things that you learned when you get a car is that when you go to a repair shop and you get an estimate, boy are they like they're not necessarily ripping you off but they're giving you the highest available uh the highest possible cost instead of like the most reasonable. So like I was, really? Oh yeah. So, example, I need to get the the rotors on my car changed, right? Because like they're getting a little bit old, and so I go to the Midas shop. The estimate for parts and labor is like seven hundred and thirty-six dollars, right? And in my mind, I'm like freaking out because seven hundred dollars. I'm like did not plan for this. And then when you go to, you start, if you do your own research, you start looking at the parts, right? You go on Amazon, Straight Up, or AutoZone. You look for the compatible parts. Total part cost is $168 for compatible parts. That means that they were charging about more than $500 for labor, quote unquote. Are you serious? Yes.
1: Seems like a scam to me.
0: I mean, they give you an estimate and they give you, like, high performance part. Even though that's not the ones that they necessarily put in there. But the estimate they give you is obnoxiously ridiculous. That's
1: why you go to smaller shops. Yeah, so that's why you
0: necessarily need to go to smaller shops. Or if you could also, like, get a way to, like, quickly... There's probably an app for this. I just didn't research it. But, like, how to quickly research estimate price to see if you can like negotiate and like, yo, I know the parts are X, Y, Z. Huh?
1: I wonder if there is
0: an app that does this. Could be, could be, could be, but yeah, that's also one of the ideas. And on top of that, then even if you go to the smaller shops, do they have a way of giving you invoices that would be really digital and would match the lifestyle of the young folks right now. That's also like. A digitally untapped market. That could also be. There so like just from. Seeing one simple problem. You just have all this like. Trebuchet of ideas. True true. And like the key thing is. What I try to do. I You and I do this. As far as like when it comes to ideas. Like the first time you think about it. You better write it down. Definitely. Or I'll say, oh, us you forget it. Yeah. I mean, so I was like randomly, like even like, I didn't even intend to like watch it, but I was watching a TED Talk by Tony Fidel, the dude who created the iPod. And one of mm-hmm. his points was like, either as designers and like innovators and entrepreneurs, the thing that you need to make sure you do is like, make sure that you're always noticing things, right? Because as humans, we just get habituated to seeing things. So that you can notice the problem once or twice, but after that, your mind just tunes it out. So if you don't make a habit of just like noticing it and writing it the first time around, chances are you're going to forget about it. Yeah. So what else? uh, Um, What other project do you want to discuss? Oh, actually, you can uh, discuss... um, I would actually be interested for you hearing you talk about ND class search because this could be oh, also was, like a we could marry your blog post and go in depth on the podcast. You feel me? Yeah. Um, alright, so
1: with Class Search, um I it was actually a project for school, um, like on my interaction design class, but it was a product that I'd always talked about like I'm um, saying, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this. I'm going to redesign class search, whatever. Then, you know, I was acting like I'll talk. So, didn't really get around doing that until I took interaction design and we got the assignment to. Wasn't
0: it? Read it. A two part project, kind of, essentially. Because you had previously made a class search that oh, wasn't for Oh, you're talking about the one
1: from mobile. Actually, I did one for mobile. It was,
0: it was kind of a build up, right? It was kind of like a yeah, two phase thing. But this right? is like. Yeah, it was like three years
1: after I built like three, two years after I built like the first version of Classer. So, how did the first For-
0: version
1: come about? Uh, I took an intro to Android development course, and I wanted to do I wanted a way of easily looking up my like of looking up classes from a uh, from uh, a blah, 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 looking up classes from their name. Um, so I just ended up using building an Android app that did it because it was simple. Not just kidding but I wanted to learn I wanted to learn and like you don't really think about it but you have the whole you have a whole MVC paradigm with an actual like mobile device you know you have you can define your models and then the actual view which is like what's presented in the front end UI of your mobile device and then you control it from the code in the back end aka the code underneath the actual application that handles everything logically and yeah, so I was using that. That was actually my first introduction, air quote, to like MVC thinking yeah. um, and thinking about models using controllers that way. And oh, yeah, and then you have like views as in activities and all that jazz. Um, yeah. Well, control, those would be your controllers. Um, and yeah, so there's that. And so I did that. It worked. It was parsing in real time using an Android device, so may have not been the fastest. Um, way out there, but yeah, still worked regardless. Uh,
0: it did work, though. It did work. Yeah.
1: And then, two years later, for interaction design, I created a web version of it, but this time, I was actually storing the values in a database and updating it in real time in order to actually create um, this front-end, or to actually populate the front-end view. Now, you lose the benefit of it being real-time in that regard, but whenever, I mean... But I was still parsing it like every 5 to 10 minutes to update it in its view. So it worked out.
0: I mean, if I remember correctly, um, you were using Heroku at the time?
1: To Heroku for hosting. In terms of yeah. the back end, I was using Ruby on Rails. And the front end, was that was my first Ember.js application that I built, actually. Yeah. And that's whenever I fell in love because it made it so easy to build this complex UI. It was amazing. And so I was just like, "Dang, I have to use this more." So I started building out. I built out my uh, data mining final project with uh, with the uh, Django in the back end, Ember.js in the front end, and then I used uh JS again for Page and Liker. So those are my f- first three. Um, those are my first three Ember applications.
0: Your Ember apps. That's true.
1: Yeah. And yeah, it's just because like that's the biggest like complaint I hear. Um, at Notre Dame, I mean, outside of dining hall food, but um, it's like, God, class search is so annoying to use. Yeah, and, like, I've always been meaning to revisit it and, like, actually automate it so I don't ever have to touch the code again. It just updates itself automatically and the UI updates accordingly Then add features like alerts and whatnot. If our spot opens up, et cetera, et cetera, you know?
0: Yeah, man. I mean, dude, if you get the time for uh, it's not, not even a so matter long. of time,
1: it's a matter of motivation,
0: Ah, come on, it's not a matter of motivation. I mean, if you start doing it, I'm pretty sure you'd be able to finish it.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right.
0: You probably be able to finish it. But yeah, but I mean, mainly, really, I mean, that's that's the main thing that I guess um, where most great ideas come from. Really, if they're not, I mean, there's like this usually great quote. I don't know. I forgot who's uh, being attributed to. I don't even think it has a it has an attribution. Necessity is the mother of invention. So when you need yeah. something, you just like if you can't find it, you typically end up creating it. And just so like really outside projects and just like ha- having great ideas is just it's just a matter of like being very observant your environment. And, like one simple way to do it, just like make note of the issues just writing it down just even makes it more kind of builds your mind to just noticing things Mm -hmm. even more so that's what I would say though but I think on that note um, we can wish the listeners a pretty good week yeah um,
1: short and sweet for today
0: short and sweet for today Um, could have gone a little bit longer but would have been a repeatable probably we talked about in the past. So yeah. Anyway, so if you have any cool side project that you engaged in, or have uh, any opinions and thoughts about how you keep track of your projects, and what are your side projects that you're currently working on and excited about, don't hesitate to hit us up on Twitter. We're at Two Black Nerds for the show, and I am at Romeo, that's Kwiromeo. That's K W I R O M E O anyhow and where can they find you
1: i'm at kuchu kwu chu thank y'all for listening in and we'll catch you next week peace